Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And Byron, if you've been watching the news today, there's so much going on. Before we get into all of that, let the listeners know why they should be tuning in to Politically Entertaining. Well, this week, man, I imagine uh, that a lot of people are sort of like myself, man, and just need a, a, a mental break with everything that's happened in the last week or two. And we, we hope to be that, that mental break. We're going to talk about some of those topics, but still we hope to, uh, you know, just give you a short amount of entertainment and just kind of take your mind off things that's going on. Uh, we got important people passing away. We got uh, grand jury verdicts that aren't going our way. So it's a lot to deal with. And we have routinely talked about how difficult this year is. So I would assume a lot of people need a mental break and Frank and I are going to try to give you that this week, man. Um, as we do always, man, we're going to get into some, some important topics, but we like to try to start the show off with like either some pop culture or something light, man. And again, I believe we talked about this on an earlier episode, man, but the basketball in the bubble has been phenomenal. Like ever since the NBA came back in that little bubble down there in Orlando, there have been some great, like, if things were normal and these games were in packed stadiums, we would have iconic moments like Anthony Davis hitting that three-pointer to win, what was that, game two over the Denver Nuggets and yelling out Kobe right after that. Frank, imagine that going on in Staples Center with the passing of Kobe earlier this year. Like, dude, we like, that. that is amazing. It's been incredible. And, of course, my Miami Heat, have been doing their thing. But what I've been amazed with the most is just the development of a lot of the young players from Jamal Murray to Tyler Hero on Miami and even uh, Duncan Hunter to a lesser extent. It's just been really fun to watch. I've always said I'm not an NBA fan. I'm a Miami Heat fan. But for the last couple of weeks, I've become an NBA fan. So are there any teams left that you're rooting for? I know you are a Knicks fan, I believe, but anybody you're rooting for, or have you just been enjoying the games? I would, I, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already, but that I'm not really a Knicks fan. I, so my dad is a Knicks fan. And so I've always wanted the Knicks to do well, even though they, they don't. Uh, I grew up when I was a kid, I was, you know, I like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, who didn't. Um, now I just kind of follow the NBA in general. I do um, like LeBron. Um, I followed him when he was on the Heat, um, and I and I don't dislike the Heat. I like Wade. They're, you know, I, li- I like their partnership. I kind of follow stories. I used, you know, I kind of follow. I used to follow Kobe. So I mean, I kind of like the 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 following the the arc of some of the better players. I like Steph Curry. So um, in this postseason, I would love to see the Lakers and the Heat. That's be intriguing to me, just because you know LeBron went there. Uh, with Wade to get, you know, kind of his championship run started. And then to see the Heat rebuild would kind of be an interesting uh, dynamic just because you'd have the same coach and obviously Pat Riley there uh, and then a new core that they're bringing in. And of course, if, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron be exciting. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, obviously the Nuggets are a great team and I don't know exactly where I'm going to post this right now. The Heat definitely like they're going. Uh, the Lakers certainly have an advantage, but I mean, who knows? I mean, that could be a long series. It's only 2-1 and looks like the teams are pretty evenly matched after that first game. So it's going to be, um, I think, some some exciting basketball. Like you said, the main things, the games have been exciting, been competitive. And with everything that's going on, it's been like, 
a way to unplug and argue about stuff that you used to think that was so important, like a legacy, right? Oh yeah, this team and that team. And, and it's like, you know, it's a, a bit of an escape when you know that when you come back to the other things outside that are like outside of the bubble, so to speak, that are, you know, really happening. And uh, so I just appreciate the NBA and the players for their professionalism outside of Daniel House, right? Um, yeah. They've all been pretty good. There haven't been any incidents. There's been no positive tests. I mean, that is that is really the thing that I will say, regardless of who wins it or whatever, credit to the NBA for creating an environment in a pandemic where certainly if guys have been bringing in groupies and doing crazy stuff could have derailed the whole um, thing, they, they have managed to keep it clean. So, you know, congratulations to Adam Silver, the rest of the owners for coming up with something. And then obviously, even though we'll talk about this later, not having the impact that we want, but still allowing the players to have the, their voice and put the things on their jerseys and on the court. I think those are, are very important things. And, and while, you know, like I said, I, I'm just, I'm happy with the NBA is doing it. And it's one of the few bright spots, as you mentioned, when you think about all the things that's happening that I can kind of say, hey, I'm just going to watch the game and, and see what happens and get, and get lost in that. You mentioned two things I want to touch on. One, uh, how nobody messed it up by trying to like sneak, sneak a bunch of groupies in. And I wonder, did that factor into their decision? Because they really only invited the playoff teams and the teams that had a shot at the playoffs. And I wonder was the thought that, hey, if we invite everybody, these teams are at the bottom of the conference that don't have anything to play for, they could mess it up. You know, they, they don't care if they get in trouble and have to go home because they're not, they're not really playing for anything. And those would have been the ones that could have messed it up. So it's just kind of funny you mentioned that. I wonder did that uh, come into planning. And also, with the uh, the phrases and, and uh, everything that the players are wearing on the back of their jerseys and Black Lives Matter on the court, it's opened the league up to some criticism and, you know, detractors of, I'm going to just say it, detractors of people that, that are against racial equality, uh, they don't believe that there's systemic racism in this country, they are quick to point out, well, the league is too woke. That's why the ratings are down. So it's like, Everything else gets to gets blamed. The pandemic gets to be the blame for why why the economy is down, why sales are down, why why people aren't going to the movies. But because the NBA is speaking up and saying we want racial equality, that's why their ratings are down. It has nothing to like every sports ratings are down. Everything has been affected by this pandemic, but they try to you know, blaming on wokeness. So I just, I always think that's interesting, man. But great two points, man, that I wanted to follow up on. And with that said, let's get into the show. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. Right, and now today, your host, uh, Frank see how long we go today. We've got a couple of topics Frank and I want to hit on before we get into it, though. If you're listening, we want you guys to please subscribe. We're on iTunes. 
we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere that you can get a podcast, we're there. So we ask that you subscribe, tell a friend, and if you are able to rate the show, as my man Bomani Jones always says, give us five stars. Anything less than that, we are inclined to believe that you are a hater. So five stars, please, and please subscribe. Um, so as we said at the top of the show, man, we had a lot going on. Uh, one of the big, big items that happened, um, I hate to, well, I shouldn't say the big items, but one of the newsworthy things that happened was Justice Ginsburg. She passed away uh, last week. She, uh, she had been battling, you know, her health, I would say the last year, almost year and a half, quite seriously, in and out of the hospital, uh, battling cancer. And she finally, um, you know, passed away. She served 27 years on the Supreme Court. She's the second woman to ever serve on the Supreme Court. Uh, she passed away at 87 years old. Uh, she's known for fighting for women's e equality. Uh, she volunteered at the ACLU to uh, fight on several cases there. Uh, what I found interesting was her going to law school uh, after having a baby, after becoming a mom, because, you know, back in those days, it was extremely difficult for women to really find any independence. And I guess you give credit to her, uh, her late spouse, who I'm sure was able to help and uh, allow her to pursue law school as she did. But uh, I just thought that was incredible that, you know, a lot of times when, um, you know, women have, have kids or whatever, they feel like, hey, you know, I have to settle into this mom role or this wife role. I can't pursue what I want to do. She didn't let that stop her. She uh, attended Harvard Law School and then later transferred to uh, Columbia. And after she replaced uh, the, the previous justice, she was the only woman that served on the Supreme Court until Obama appointed uh, Sotomayor. So those are a lot of interesting things that she, you know, she has a lot. So I encourage you guys to look her up. The other thing I wanted to bring up is when she was confirmed, because she was appointed by uh, Bill Clinton, President Clinton, she was confirmed by the Senate on a vote of 96 to three. And I bring that up because the last Supreme Court justice that was confirmed, Brett Kavanaugh, you put that in contrast to her 96 to three and him being confirmed at 50 to 48. So you want to talk about like, like that's as close as you can get to confirming the Supreme Court justice. And, uh, you know, she sailed easily into the court with that 96 to three. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on the late uh, Justice Ginsburg, and we definitely will get into what this means for appointments on the, uh, on the high court as well. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, first of all, you know, rest in peace to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Notorious, right? I feel like we should have the Notorious, right? Playing right there. And, um, you know, just, just a, a pioneer, right? Because she's the first. And it's always tough being the first Especially, um, you know, being a woman, uh, certainly uh, we still haven't had that first black woman, which is another story, right? But, yes. um, but still, being a first woman is is noteworthy, and um, the fact that she was excellent, right? She was excellent, ninety six to three, like you said, like in a time where, you know, Bill Clinton that was his first term, and um, for him to to do that and bring bring the first woman in, that's pretty impressive. Um, and, and certainly one of the, I would say, 
you look at back in his presidency now, that's one of the moments you say, that, that was pretty good. You know, that was a good um, justice pick. And I think, you know, what's really sad is that, not that she's gone, but she's gone in such a difficult time where I just felt like as soon as she died, people were saying, well, how are we going to replace her? Who's going to, like, they already had, it's like, to me, that was so, it was sickening because it was like, they shouldn't have even talked about it. Even if they were going to do it, like, like, and I get it. I, and I understand if we, we've, we've, all, we've inter interviewed, you know, senators before on here and they would, you know, you know, I understand they're politicians and they may say, hey, well, once I was, you know, we would do it. But I just felt that, that you know, when they say the, the body wasn't even cold and if, and you already seeing what, you know, the president's going to do and they're going to move to have a vote. And it's just like, oh my God, even later to rest. Like it just felt, it felt so sick. Like it felt, it, it's like, it's one thing to take the opportunity and do something, another thing to just be inhumane about it. And I think we, we are getting to that point where, you know, to me, that part's sickening more than anything. It's like, they're going to, you know, do this hell or high water. And, and I would say that, you know, just take your lens off of being partisan for just a minute and just, and just, if we, if we can't be human, then it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what party you're for, what you believe in, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg was clearly a liberal justice, but she was confirmed in 963, right? And, and it's not like there weren't Republicans on in the Senate at that time, right? I mean, right, let's, yeah. let's, now, let's not act like it was like 100 she, Democrats in, in 1993. I, I don't know she, the makeup of the court. She was suggested by a Republican senator, uh, Orrin Hatch of Utah. He, he brought her name up to Clinton. Right. So the point is, there was some understanding. And here's the thing, too. You need both. I mean, I know both people, both sides are trying to slant it. But realistically, you need you kind of want a balance like like um, you don't want an all liberal court and you don't necessarily want an all conservative court. Now, granted, I understand both sides maybe fearing one thing or the other, but that's kind of what you need. You um, democracy as like they say, democracy is at best, you know, the the. the minimizing the, the evils or the or minimizing the weaknesses of you know the human human being so to if you try to stack it all one way you're going to end up with situations and judgments that that, that potentially unfairly impact people and i feel like for the most part if you look at justice john roberts that's an example why it's important to have balance because even though he would be considered conservative he's ruled in what people thought was a liberal way yes. but i think it's important that not just it's one thing for what people have have ruled and how they what they necessarily align with, but what Roberts is showing to me as a justice is that he is looking at the case and interpreting it not based on a partisan line, but based on okay, this is legal, this is not. And I think the more people that are kind of getting shoehorned in there in this administration, you're worried that they're that they are going to be slanted in a way that that favors the the and realistically what people don't understand is. You're, you're, the, the Supreme Court should not be favoring a party. It should not be really partisan. In fact, when you look at the lower order ballots, you know, down ballot, a lot of those judges say they're not partisan. Uh, they, they, like, like in Maryland, if you look at the, the judges in, in the local courts, they're saying, oh, we're not partisan judges, right? So judges really shouldn't be, you don't want a partisan judge. Um, that doesn't mean they don't have a background and rule a certain way to interpret law, but overall, you want them to be able to look at the law through the lens of you know, right and wrong rather than left and right. And so I just think that, you know, this idea of slanting the court towards um, a conservative so Roe v. Wade could be removed is sickening because 
I'm sick and tired of, of people who are evangelicals or people on the right who would think, who think that establishing a law that they, that, that they could not, that they could not establish through relationships through God as they should, they tried to use the law. The law is actually broken, right? So, and I'm, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but what I'm saying is it's funny to me how obsessed evangelicals are with controlling the law when the law has already been fulfilled and Christ says, love your neighbor as yourself. So they're, they're so focused on legislating out other people's sin rather than trying to really explain the gospel to them and why God loves them and maybe why they shouldn't do those things. They just want to make laws that prevent it. God is not pleased with that. He's not like, oh, great, you outlawed abortion. He doesn't look at things like that. And it's amazing how we've corrupted um, the, the, these, these ideals and how we've turned these things into politicizing things that really shouldn't be that way. To me, it's no doubt in my mind to respect RBG that nobody should be taking up a nomination and putting an injustice until after the election. And it's only 40 days away. So the idea that it can't wait is, is just is sickening and it's partisan politics and, and I don't like it. And, and I'm not necessarily conservative. So you can say, well, you just, if, you, if the Democrats are doing it, you would like it. I said, that's not true. If you haven't listened to the show, if you think that you haven't listened to the show, because I remember when somebody said, should Oprah Winfrey run for president on this show because Donald Trump ran? I was like, hell no, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea, right? That's a stupid idea. And I'm also not in favor of expanding the court. I know that that's been something that's been said, well, if they confirm, you know, this woman, Amy, Amy, Cone Baird, or I may not be saying her name right. Klobuchar? No, no. The, Baird, the who, Who's the name of the justice they're trying to bring in? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure. Look, look that up. Wow. But but the point is, there's been talk, oh, we should, ex the Democrats saying, well, if we get the same, we should expand the court. I'm like, no, you shouldn't. Like, I don't know. It's frustrating, but I will say this, like for those you know, who, you know, this is where God really comes in. I know that it seems crazy. A lot of things are happening, but I will say that, man, this is the time where even though things look a certain way, this is, this is exactly, people are making their own judgments. And so I just encourage you to, to continue to stay on the right side of things, you know, um, and, 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 and like I said, just keep praying because this is obviously unprecedented, some of the things we're seeing, but um, long story short, Rest in peace, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She did a lot of, you know, good. And, you know, hopefully um, the, the person who replaces her, you know, will be, will be um, worthy of the position that she just vacated. Amy Coney Barrett. Okay. Um, so in 2016, as we know, and we, I, uh, I touched on this in our interview with uh, Senator Lankford from Oklahoma and one of my questions to him. But of course, in 2016, Justice Scalia passed away in February. And the Republican-controlled Senate, uh, who we still had Obama as president at the time, the Republican-controlled Senate said, hey, it's an election year. We think the people should have a say-so on who the next justice is. Therefore, we will not vote to confirm the next justice until after the election. That's what they said. And the Democrats at the time said, we should, you know, it being an election year has nothing to do with it. This is unfair. Uh, Obama wound up nominating uh, Merrick Garland. The Senate wound up not even giving that man a hearing. So the Democrats were saying we should have hearings. The Republicans said we should not. Four years later, to nobody's surprise, both parties, and I need to say that again, both parties, because I 
you know, I've been accused of being too left or liberal at times. Both parties have become hypocrites in the very definition of it. Now you got the Republicans saying, hey, you know, it's okay to confirm a uh, justice in an election year because we have a Republican Senate and a Republican president. That was different from 2016. No, it wasn't. And I know that's what some senators have said, but the majority of Republican senators at the time said, no, we shouldn't do it in the election year. It had nothing to do. In fact, there's one who said, even if we have a Republican president in the last year of his term, if there's a Supreme Court opening, we will not vote. He said, you can hold my words to it. You can play this tape back. So they're being hypocritical. And the Democrats, who four years ago was pushing for, hey, you can't, you, you, you should do this, you should do this. Now they're, now they're saying you can't do this in an election year. So that has been fun for me to just watch how both sides have completely flipped their arguments. Uh, one last question before we move on from Justice Ginsburg. I mentioned how Merrick Garland was nominated in 2016. Has Frank, like, where, where do you fall on this? Like, should they, I mean, because Trump is still the president. There is an opening. I never bought into the whole, I never bought the Republican arc, arc, argument in 2016 that because it's an election year, you can't vote on anybody. I feel like if there's an opening, and the president is still in office. People know that presidents have four years in a term. That means you are agreeing that you trust that man or woman's judgment for those four years, not three years and a half, not three years and a third or a quarter, four years. So if that opening doesn't matter if it's their last year, if that opening occurs, you are saying that you trust that person to make a competent decision. So where are you? Should, by putting politics aside, putting party aside, let's say, even if it was a Democrat president right now, should they go ahead with replacing or should they wait till after the election? Um, I don't know, because I didn't, I didn't feel particularly, I felt like the biggest thing about Merrick Garland was they didn't even allow him to have a hearing. And I think I agree. I agree. I'm probably more on the side of what you said is, hey, elections have consequences, right? They, they can make decisions up until the point where they leave the office. So you have to factor that in. You can't be partisan with your thinking in that regard. So I, I understand that. Um, it, it would be nice to see it applied equally, right? Um, so, hmm, I mean, it's just hard. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It's, I don't, I don't like it, but I agree with you. It's just tough because, you know, for this president of all presidents to have three potential Supreme court picks in his first term, in his first term, yeah. um, it's, it's almost mind blowing and mind numbing. Um, because, you know, you just, you know, it's, it's just, it's just really, really, hard, hard to stomach that. But I mean, I, I agree with the process, though, of what you're saying about, hey, if you're in office, you have the votes and you can do it. Um, I do think the Democrats would have done it if they had been able to get a vote. They just they just didn't have control of the Senate to be able to get the vote, right? Mm -hmm. If that had happened then, um, for example, 
rewind it four years, I believe they had a majority in 2012, maybe. Yeah. Um, they probably would have just done it then. Um, in the, let's say it was in the middle of his campaign is run against Romney. Um, he would have probably probably would have pushed the push to pick through. So I don't I don't have an issue with the idea of the process. I think the thing that's having people having a problem is who is doing it and what is at stake in who is doing it. So I think it's just it's one of those things where um, from the letter of the law, I, I've kind of get it. I'm kind of not that upset about it. It's just upset about who is doing it and how it's happening and just kind of frustration along with a number of other things, just like, man, 2020, damn. Yeah, and he's he's definitely trying to stack it in his favor, too, because he feels like this will be a close election. And he wants somebody in there that when the Supreme Court decides on the election a la 2000, the court is going to be presumably 6-3 conservative, which is a big difference from 5-4 and where it was. So just it's it's huge repercussions, man. Although although I will say this, I don't understand what type of ruling would happen where it would be a conservative versus liberal ruling if if um, Biden wins the electoral college and the popular vote has been projected. I don't know what kind of oh yeah, court so it, ruling. It, yeah, it wouldn't be an issue then. It would have to be like uh, see when two thousand it wasn't just the popular vote versus electoral. It was like Florida. And the count was disputed. Right. If it comes, if it comes out yeah. of one state, I I, right. I agree. What well, can yeah. you do a recount? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Can you find more votes? But I mean, my thing is, if if it doesn't come down to one state, which I pray that it doesn't, I don't really see how that's going to help him because it's not like, you know, you're going to be able to recount all the votes. Like if you lose, and it's significant. And it's more than one state. You can't be like, well, I want to count in like five different states. That just that just is absurd. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for a blowout, and we're gonna touch a little bit more on that too on a on a nightmare scenario <laughs> on election day. Um, but I wanted to uh, because I've always said ever since the Michael Moore shooting in uh, Mobile, uh, excuse me, let me rephrase that: the Michael Moore killing in Mobile, Alabama by a police officer that I have always enjoyed your commentary when it comes to uh, a lot of these uh, shootings and just social issues in general. And as we know, uh, the grand jury came back with their decision on the uh, murder of Breonna Taylor. And, you know, by now I know everybody knows the case. Uh, She was in her apartment with her boyfriend Police were serving a, uh, a no-knock warrant. Uh, the boyfriend and 12 other witnesses contend that the police didn't, didn't announce themselves, which they didn't have to do because it's a no-knock warrant. But it helps his narrative that nobody announced who they were. So you hear somebody banging at the door and you're not expecting anybody. He wound up grabbing the gun. When they bust through the door, he sh- let off a shot, hit an officer. Three officers returned fire. One of them wound up killing uh, Miss Taylor. We found out last week that only one of the three officers that fired their weapons are going to be charged. And the charges um, upset a lot of people because the charges have nothing to do with her murder. And the most, uh, I believe the, the toughest charge is the, the wanton 
endangerment, which I just like to call reckless endangerment. But basically, he fired without no, having any idea where his target was, disregard for any innocent life. He uh, shot through a lot of different apartments and things like that. He was the one that was actually fired by the chief about a month ago for doing that. So that's the biggest charge he had. If he's found guilty of all three charges and the max is applied, he could serve up to 15 years, which obviously is not enough for what happened to this young lady. My, okay, so my thing is this. I have always felt, and I didn't, I didn't like, you know, the, the grand jury's decision, but I kind of expected it. But I also felt like even if all three officers were charged with murder, and that's, I'm sure that's what everybody wanted. I always felt like justice still was not going to be served. There was never going to be justice. And I'm not talking about because, you know, they wouldn't have found the officers guilty or not. The right people were never charged in the beginning to me. The officers in this situation, and people may not want to hear this. I don't know how they feel about this. The officers in this situation to me were always pawns. They were the bottom of the totem pole when you look at who's truly responsible for this what I like to call crime. You got to look at the mayor who had an initiative to so-called clean up the neighborhoods that uh, Breonna Taylor lived in. And so their whole goal was to, to do all these no-knock search warrants and, and uh, just really, really hassle the people in these neighborhoods to where they would move out so they can gentrify it and uh, like what I like to call white it up and, and make the neighborhood that they want. You got to look at the judge who signed off on the warrant. You got to look at the commanding officers. The intel, when you serve a no-knock warrant like that, the intel has to be as current as possible within a certain time frame. The intel they had was beyond that time frame. They said they saw her ex-boyfriend coming out of her apartment with a package. Okay, that had been days, if I'm not mistaken, even weeks ago. That's old intel. Um, and they wind up busting through this lady's door. So for me, and I got, I got a little more to say, but I guess what I want to ask you is, were you surprised, angry, disappointed, or did you expect this type of, uh, you know, ruling from, from the grand jury and, and charging these officers? Um, first of all, great points, because I was like, man, you took, you, one of the points you touched on, I'll get to that in a second. But one of the things that is really sickening is the $12 million, right? So I joked around and I say, man, if I do something, if I don't do something wrong, I'm not paying nobody 12 cents. So the fact that they paid $12 million in a civil suit is, is another despicable thing that, that they're doing. They're basically, you know, paying, uh, you know, the wrongs away. Uh, I agree with you 100%. One of the things I, I actually said that too, I, that's why I guess we're doing the show together because we have similar thought processes. I was like, the judge and the person who came up to sign those no-knock warrants, that was completely negligent because this the boyfriend wasn't living there and Breonna Taylor was never a drug dealer. She never a suspect. So it was just her house just ended up being collateral damage. And so it's like they set them, they set them up for a violent situation. Like there was no reason for that to happen. And I think the fact that, like you said, those people aren't even the judge and the people who served the intel aren't even being brought up, just looking at the cops themselves. That's like you said. That's the low hanging fruit. That hey, they 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 had the information. They were given it, and they said, okay, here's what we're gonna do now. Obviously, 
the guy who just fired into the thing, they, here's the thing, they're actually rewarding the no-knock warrant. If you look at the way the charges went down or didn't go down, the guy who just shot randomly into the other house or whatever, they're saying, hey, you can't shoot anywhere, but if you get a no-knock warrant, it's okay to shoot if you feel threatened because, hey, you're in a, entering a different difficult situation. So it's almost like because they got a no-knock warrant, it actually protected them and insulated them from any real charges when they charged in there because this is, this, they're charging into, you know, a dangerous situation. And, you know, you factor in the fact that the, the, the boyfriend did shoot one of the officers and was acquitted, mind you. When does that happen? When does the boyfriend get acquitted from shooting an officer and they pay $12 million, but there's still nothing wrong, right? It's, it's a clear cover-up. Um, it's, it's, it's frustrating to answer your question. Was I surprised? No, not at all. Was I shot? I mean, when it takes this long and nobody's been arrested, nobody's been charged, you already know what they're doing. And then when they come, they, they try to pay it off and they call the National Guard and get extra police in to, you know, make sure people don't rise. It's like, it's so, it, it's just, it hasn't changed since, since Rodney King, right? Like, it's the same exact thing. And I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of it, personally. I, I am beyond exhausted and thinking about and, and, and just living through this. And, and some people say, well, Frank, you're black, you're well-to-do, you make a good amount of money. Why do you care? And why does it bother you? And, you know, you're not, you're not really in this. And the thing is, if you don't understand justice um, anywhere and justice everywhere, you, you, don't, you don't understand democracy. And if you claim you're in faith, then I, I question that as well. It's like, these are things that regardless of your race should turn your stomach if this, these things even happen. This is a gross miscarriage of justice, right? Um, and, and it's so funny how these pro-life people, they want to get this, you know, this court stacked, but they're just anti-abortion, not really pro-life because this is, a, this is, a, this is so, such a sick way for somebody to go out. Imagine going to sleep in your bed and only because of who you dated, you know, months ago, you're going to end up dead because of it. And I mean, that is, and we've all, and I mean, most of us have dated some people, not necessarily, you know, who are in criminals, but everybody's got somebody they regret that'd be like, man, that's kind of a bad, bad look. But I'm just saying like, she is moving on with her life. She had a new boyfriend. She had a, you know, a career she was working on and for her life to be lost. And then for all the things that have happened just for them to not even, um, to, to say it was justified, right? Because that's another thing that kind of came out in the fine print was that, the officers weren't charged because basically they were like the shooting was justified because they're trying to say the boyfriend created an environment where it was dangerous. And so, Hey, they had to protect themselves. And it's, it's, it's just, it's just beyond frustrating. Um, like I said, great points about the judge and the, the Intel and maybe the sheriff, whoever wrote that up. I mean, those are things that, you know, we, we have to, you know, that's why voting matters. Right. And, and, and looking at who's on your ballot and looking at people's, History, those it's, it's an important election all around, not just at the in the White House, but you know around your house, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to encourage people to 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 pay attention and read your ballots, right? Don't just vote a party or just don't vote for the person that came by your house and try to find as much information as you can. It's 2020, so there's pretty good information about most of these people. And to me, if there's somebody who won't disclose, if I go to some of these different sites and people don't answer any of the questions, don't disclose your information, that kind of disqualifies you from me from voting for you. Because it's like, if I can't find out where you've answered these questions from the newspaper and the media and you're not engaging, then I don't necessarily know if I want to, you know, vote you in when I don't know what you're about. So there's information there I would consider, um, 
encourage you to look for it and um, make wise decisions. A, a little bit more, Brianna Taylor. This this grand jury decision for me was always bigger than Brianna Taylor. This speaks to how there it's it is the wild wild west when it comes to black people and the laws and the policies that this country enforces on a daily basis. It's it's so much larger than than Breonna Taylor. When you look at redlining, when you look at our segregated neighborhoods, why did I bring that up? Because they do a lot of this stuff in quote black neighborhoods. They they're not gonna do this in in some of the uh in, in some of the neighborhoods in Montgomery County up here in Maryland. They're not gonna do this in some of the neighborhoods in Fairfax County, Georgetown, DC. They're not gonna do it in 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 uh in Hollywood or, or wherever the, the rich areas are in LA. Like they do these in certain neighborhoods and I say it's bigger than her because she this whole thing happened because of systemic racism. I mentioned how the mayor wanted to clean up the neighborhoods. Um, they love to try to assassinate our characters. They, they tried to say she was involved. They tried to get the ex-boyfriend to lie and say she was involved. And my thing is this, no not warrants. I don't even know how that has ever, how, how it's still legal to this day in so many uh, cities around this country. So many times things have gone wrong. Innocent people have been killed. Uh, cops have, been, have, have gotten shot because of, just like with Breonna Taylor's situation, you think somebody's trying to break in, so you, you defend your home. And I don't know why this hasn't been outlawed before, because it's ridiculous. Uh, you even look at like, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, asset uh, seizures or whatever, when they you know, just suspect that you know, drug money was used to buy certain things. That only happens by and large to black people. Like, again, it's a wild, wild west on us. And I believe the officers lied because on one hand they say they didn't expect the, boy, the ex-boyfriend to be there. So why were you there? Just to get the drugs? There were no drugs in there. And then you say you saw him come out of her apartment a few weeks ago with a package. Well, why didn't you arrest him then? Like, these no-knock warrants should be for people like Michael Corleone or, or, or Scarface, somebody who is like making $10 million a week selling drugs and just, you know, like Freeway Ricky Ross or um, uh, Rayful Edmonds that was up in like big time. We, we're talking about at, at best some little small uh, marijuana dealer or whatever the case. And you're kicking in people's doors, shooting up the apartment complex, possibly hitting innocent other, other uh, people in their apartments. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And until we really, really address systemic racism, little cat, and I, and I say little casualties like this because we don't always hear about the Breonna Taylors that happen in this country. But casualties like this are going to happen all the time. There's a similar scenario in Atlanta where they killed an elderly lady. There's plenty other situations where these no-knock warrants have led to fatal consequences. It's ridiculous. It should be outlawed. And too many times these laws and policies overwhelmingly affect black people in a negative way. And I'm so sick and tired of it. It was bigger than Breonna Taylor. I hate that she was killed in this, but we got to do something about these judges and these politicians that try to placate to white people and make them feel comfortable by locking up 
black people and brown people. Um, I've exhausted myself on that. So I want to get to a topic real quick because we kind of touched that on it. I believe in your answer with Justice Ginsburg and the whole replacing her and, and the election that's coming up. So there was an, uh, an article on CNN.com and I believe the title of it was voting in person or no, it was, it was like these three words can help avoid a nightmare scenario. And I want to paint this scenario for people real quick. So picture on November 3rd at night, you voted, you're watching TV and you're waiting for the results to come in. And because Trump has told his voters to vote in person, make sure you vote in person. Don't trust mail-in ballots unless you live in Florida. Apparently it's okay in Florida, according to the president. But by and large, vote in person, vote in person. And the Democrats on the flip side have been saying, hey, look, we have COVID going on. You know, we want to extend mail-in voting. We want people to have the option to mail-in vote. We don't want these uh, polling places packed with people possibly spreading COVID. So you got two sides of that coin. On election night, the first votes that are counted are the the in-person election day votes. So Trump is up. He's winning. He's winning all these different states, of course. And in his mind, he's won the election. Then the mail-in ballots get counted because a lot of states don't count the mail-in ballots until the day after the election. So then he starts coming back, Biden, because he's pushed so many of his voters to mail-in vote, when they tally those votes up, lo and behold, he overtakes Trump in an Ohio, a Pennsylvania, or uh, a Michigan, a Wisconsin. We both know, we all know what Trump is going to claim if that happens. He's going to fight it. He's going to say they stole it. He's going to do all these different things that he possibly can. And it's going to be, in my opinion, twice as worse as the 2000 election. So my first question to you is, because the article was saying, you know, even if you plan on mail-in voting, I think it said you need to show up in person to do it. Because for whatever reason, those votes would get counted sooner or try to just vote on election day in person. But whatever you do, please do it in person because the more mail-in early voting that you do, the later those votes are tallied and that creates a nightmare scenario. How will Frank be voting this November 3rd? I'm gonna be voting in person. Um, fortunately, Maryland has early voting. So I'm gonna you know, go and vote in person. You know, One of those days, I think like a week before the election, I feel like at the 26th or the 2nd, they have uh, early voting. So I'm gonna take advantage of that, try to take advantage of that. Um, I agree with you. I mean, so so I think we saw the same, read the same article. It was called the blue shift. It was, I felt like it was called where, you know, Trump could be winning on election night. Then, you know, in the subsequent days, he loses, you know, quite handily, actually, some of the projections. And, the, and yet it becomes a source of controversy because he's already kicked up all this dust. So, I mean, I just I just want to encourage people, if you can, vote in person, right? I mean, obviously, if, you, if you're not able to or you're, you have a pre-existing condition or whatever then you got to you know, keep your you know health and safety at first you know first priority but the most important thing is if you can even if you got to stay out there for three hours just make sure your vote make sure your vote gets counted you know as soon as possible this is a strange strange time strange year um 
I think I was, you know, it's funny, I was just talking to my sister, my, um, I have two sisters, but I have my sister, Michelle, um, and she was, you know, she had listened to some of, you know, Michael Cohen's book, and she was saying, you know, one of the things that people don't have necessarily zoned in on Trump is he's, a, he's enamored with the dictatorships of Putin and, and Kim Jong, um, uh, Kim Jong Il, right? Is it Il or is it Un? I always... <laughs> I know it's Un now. It's Un now, Un, yeah. right, Un, right, Un, okay. Kim Jong-un, and, um, and he wants to stay in power. He wants to find a way to stay in power. He's, he's already said this many times. Like, it's not like you have to search for it. He's like, oh, you know, why not another four years? Why not even more after that? Like, he is, he is, he is literally, you know, got a God complex going on with regard to his rulership. He thinks he's doing a great job. He thinks that everybody loves him. He's got his African-American friends, right? His Mexican <laughs> friends that love him. And so he thinks he's just making all the difference in the world. And you know, there's a bunch of diamonds. There's enough diamond and silks and Candace Owens that, you know, are, are that they, they can parade around Kanye's, you know, too, um, that they, they have this illusion of, you know, it's crazy because I can even see a scenario where evangelicals are saying, well, you know, I, there's, there's a lot, there's one of the things I've seen very interesting is, this has nothing to do with voting in particular, but I've seen a lot of people who are evangelicals or on that slant, they're 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 also getting crossed over the Q, uh, QAnon stuff, and they feel like the Democrats are going to bring in the usher in the biblical destruction like Babylon to to the United States. They feel like the pedophilia, pornography, and all the things that the Democrats bring. So there are some evangelicals who would feel like, well, I'll just stick with Trump because you know he's a fighter and he fights for us, even though Trump doesn't believe in God, right? He holds the Bible upside down, says two Corinthians, and says he doesn't have to ask for forgiveness, but they would ride with that because they feel like there's 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 a there's a sickness going on. There's a feel like there's a biblical destiny for Trump to be in, in power. It's 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 crazy. Um, so as as Byron said, vote in person if you can. Like this is this is not the election to um, mail it in, right? <laughs> Definitely go in person and vote. And more than anything, um, just be praying that that we have a fair election, right? Like. I mean, going back to what you said about the um, about the, the court and getting a justice proof, if somehow Donald Trump won the election, fair and square, I would not like it. But it's like, hey, all right, you know, it is what it is. But I don't feel like, based on what we're seeing, it doesn't look like it's trending that way, but it seems like he's setting himself up to be in position to contest it no matter what. And I think that is um, a huge problem. And, and I think that, you know, we just, you know, just be prepared for a, for a long, uh, long November. Yeah, don't be prepared for the fact that we may not know the full results by the end of November third. Um, I did want to say, you know, um, I don't really trust the mail-in voting because of some of the things he's he said. I just feel like he would do anything it takes and. If it means losing a couple of those ballots, then so be it. So I definitely will be voting in person. But the Democrats painted themselves in the corner because they've been urging everybody to mail in vote. And so uh, if they don't want to be down uh, in a lot of these states on election day because so many of their voters mailed in and they have to wait for those votes to be tallied, then they, they can't all of a sudden say, you know what, on second thought, we want you guys to uh, to vote in person because they're going to sound just like him. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. It really is. Uh, I feel like 
if people just show up, he won't win. And that's exactly what did not happen in 2016. So I just would tell people, do not believe the polls. I, I, you know, I remember how all three of us, it was me, you, and your sister, Michelle, before that election, we all got the prediction wrong. We thought Hillary was going to win. But don't believe any of these polls whatsoever. Get out there and vote because I feel like a lot of people did not want to vote for Hillary for whatever reason they came up with. But they also felt like Trump would not win. So they made peace with the fact that he won't win and I won't have to vote for somebody that I don't want to vote for because I know she's going to win anyway. They've seen that he can win. So my hope is, you know, lesson learned. If you truly don't want him to be president, you're going to show up and do what you can. That, that's, that is my hope. But final question before we get out of here on this show. Uh, if he loses, and you mentioned that, if he loses, will he leave? Because Bill Maher, and I got to give him credit, man, on his show Real Time, for years now, he said he doesn't think Trump will leave the White House willingly if he loses and that he may actually have to be forced out. If I'm not mistaken, I think the uh, Senate, the majority leader would have to send the Senate at arms, the Sergeant at arms to uh, physically remove him out of the white house. I don't think it'll necessarily come to that, but I think it's going to be some back and forth uh, arguing and just threatening to get him out of that White House. Do you think he'll leave and accept the results or will he say, no, I don't accept that. It was cheating, it was lying going on. So far as I'm concerned, I'm still the president. How you see that playing out if he loses? I think he'll put up a fight for a while. I do think he will leave if he loses, but here's the biggest thing, right? You always gotta look at the next thing. We always, you always talk about that. If you look at what's there, you're gonna miss it. Um, the, the, the biggest problem you see is the way he has bent democracy you could trump is not trump is very polarizing he's liked by his base but people that don't like him don't like him and the difference is if if there's somebody who can ever win an election who everybody kind of likes it's like oh you know he's all right you can end up in a situation um there's a clip with clip with dick gregory um he talks about it right after the election and he you know obviously dick gregory passed you know, three years ago, but in, after right now, he's on Roland Martin's show of 2016, he says, he compares Trump to Hitler, not from a standpoint of necessarily, but he was saying that he has the same type of populist mentality that he is going to try to, um, he'll, he'll, run, he'll burn everything to the ground to keep himself in power. And we set a precedent now, we've elected somebody like that. And while Trump might be gone, his successor is on the way and there's and, and he's going to be a lot better and a lot um, or might she right might be a lot um, have a have a much more silver tongue right to say and do things and manipulate things in a way that you may have thought possible that he's opened up the door to so I would say he's going to make a fuss he probably will have to something's going to have to happen um, you know maybe court wise but this just sets a really bad precedent for democracy in this country and we need to be on the lookout for what's what's next what's after this what could be the next thing that somebody could try to push and be aware for it and be prepared for that i um before we get out of here i encourage you guys to go back and listen to our last two interviews 
uh, one with Kristen Bracey, and the one before that was Senator Langford. Good stuff. Uh, Senator Langford, like I said, we actually touched on how the Republicans were not giving Obama Obama a vote on uh, his Supreme Court justice pick. So uh, check that out. Uh, Frank and I did good stuff. Uh, so let us know what you think on that. And before we get out of here, once again, just please subscribe. We thank you guys for uh, tuning in to us. We hope, as I said at the beginning of the show, that we were able to give you that mental health break uh, from what may be going on in your personal lives. But, uh, you know, pay attention, man. Like I always say, if you're not a news junkie or you, you don't really care to follow politics, then just let us, uh, you know, hook you hook you up. At least uh, we try to do this like once a week, but whenever we can, we'll come through, tell you what's going on and just try to keep you informed somewhat. But keep in mind, very important election. Make sure you vote and make sure you pay attention to what's going on. Man, we love you guys. Um, like I said, thank you, Byron. You know, just we can't we can't do a show without you guys. Um, just continue to listen, subscribe, uh, give us give us a rating, give us five stars, like Byron said before. But um, just be safe out there, right? There's a lot of things happening, a lot of unprecedented things going on. We just want to encourage you to be safe, be vigilant, um, and, and show love to, to to your neighbor, right? Show love to people because right now there's a lot of people showing showing hate, showing anger, showing fear, and we need to be that example. Um, and so just, just take that to heart. Um, like I said, we love you. Be safe. And uh, we'll see you guys soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates. Thank you.